It's Tuesday, April 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor, Supernova, and Motley Fool Options, CFA Jim Mueller, and from Motley Fool Funds, Charlie Travers. Thanks for being here, gents. Happy to be here, Chris. Thank you. Earnings Palooza is heating up. We've got, uh, I kind of want to say we have the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, because certainly in the case of Illumina, it's ugly, although it's not officially earnings, but we'll get to that. We'll get to Johnson & Johnson. The bidding for Yahoo has closed, and there is at least one surprise in the final set of bids. But let's start with Netflix. First quarter profits came in higher than expected. They added 2.2 million subscribers. That's more in the U.S. In the U.S., they they were expecting 1.8 million. I mean, on balance, this looks really good, and yet the forecast that they gave was a little bit weaker than some on Wall Street were expecting, and that, as much as anything, appears to be sending the stock down 10%. Yeah. Well, Wall Street has so much focus on forecasts and, and ne- what the next quarter is going to do that I think this is actually a really good opportunity if you're in- interested in investing in Netflix. You either have a smaller position than you might want or no position at all, because down in the 90s, and heck, if we're lucky, down in the 80s, uh, would be a great time, a great place to uh, place to Buy shares, and and my my broker's uh, headline feed this morning was just saying, reiterating every analyst out there is saying reiterating target price one twenty, target price one thirty. I mean, that's where these guys are headed, and so if you can buy it in the nineties, you're you're going to do pretty well. We we were talking about this earlier, Jim. The I was confused. Maybe I shouldn't be confused. After doing this podcast for five years, I should I should no longer be surprised by short term <laughs> thinking on Wall Street, but. Part of, I guess, the the bear case, if you will, had to do with their international growth. Yep. You know, not really being, and yet, was it just three months ago we were sitting here talking about how they had hit all of these international markets that they weren't projecting initially. They weren't projecting to hit them for at least another year or two. At least. Um, Every market they've gone into, they've done better than they expected. Canada, their first international launch, they they reached profit, they reached break even like a year ahead of schedule, and they're saying, "Oh, we got something going here." And then Latin America, where they got uh, twenty or thirty countries all at once, uh, that kind. Of, I, I'm I'm of the opinion that fell in their lap because they had been planning to go elsewhere at that time, and that started out a little bit rocky. They had some payment issues. Uh, that might be part of what's affecting uh, the latest. Latest 130 country launch. Uh, the payments are in U.S. dollars and limited only to if you have a credit card that can handle U.S. dollar transactions. So uh, that's that might be slowing things down and and some of the headwinds. But they're going to work through it. Latin America is a great growth story now for them. Uh, all these new markets are going to be a great growth story five, four, five, six years down the road. And as long term investors, that's where should we should be looking. That's where Reed and David Wells and uh, Ted Sarandos, all the all the chief guys there, are looking. They're looking several years down the road. They're not interested in the next quarter. Uh, they're they're saying we're this is a ten year game, folks, and we're playing for that. Charlie, when you look at what's playing out today in terms of the sell off, what goes through your mind? I'm uh. You know, I'm very impressed by not just the uh, quality of the original content that they've been able to make, but the pace at which it's coming out. I mean, you remember uh, just a few years ago they weren't doing anything, 
And, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about whether uh, Netflix can actually come in and make high quality TV shows and movies. And I think that's been answered with a resounding yes. Uh, and it goes way beyond some of the, you know, high profile profile prestige programming like a house of cards and you go down the list into like the aziz and sorry master of none the unbreakable kimmy schmidt all the kids programming the stand-up comedy they've got something for everybody in the family and it's coming out every week and i think um you know to jim's point about thinking long term with the company i think that's what people should be focusing on is that they've been able to make a lot of their uh viewing consumers happy with all this content they're making and uh you know the library is just remarkable in my opinion. And so that, but that raises in, in people who are thinking bearish on the company, well, all that great content is costing them a lot of money. And for the original content it does, it's all paid up front because the actors and directors and uh, the set people want to be paid, right? Uh, so the, yeah, there's a big cash spend up front. And so that's why their uh, cash flow, free cash flow is so bad right now. Uh, but uh, there was a telling comment uh, by I can't remember which of the executives said it. It says, uh, your, uh, yeah, your costs are going up, but our revenue is going up even faster. And that's being shown in the U.S. If you look at the, the improvement on their contribution margins over the years, that's uh, the cost versus uh, the revenue. And the revenue is growing faster than their costs. And that's what's happening. And that will begin to kick in internationally as the company continues the, over the next several years. Let's move on to Illumina, which is having a pretty rough day. Shares down 24% after the biotech company reported preliminary first quarter revenue, which is way below uh, what was uh, initially projected. And uh, Charlie, we, I think it was just this past weekend on the radio show, we were talking about how anytime a company comes out with preliminary results, they're always bad. Yeah, it's never. <laughs> this quarter's going to be so great. Yeah. We can't wait to tell yeah. you about it, yeah. guys. I got to tell you something. So, we really killed it. So how? I mean, from the stock perspective, it's down twenty four percent. How bad is this? And uh, you know, as Jim indicated about Netflix, uh, what we're seeing playing out, shares down ten percent, maybe a buying opportunity for people, is what's playing out with Illumina potentially a buying opportunity. Uh, so, Illumina is the industry leader in selling DNA sequencing machines and the consumables that go along with it. So, they're widely used by uh, research institutions, universities, and the like, um, and that's transitioning quickly into uh, medical applications as well to do personalized medicine. Uh, so, they're going to do 572 million sales in Q1, which would be 6% growth, and they pulled down their full-year guidance for the year. Uh, originally, they thought they Grow revenue 16%, and that's going to come in at 12%. Uh, the problem there is uh, system sales into Europe are a lot weaker than they thought they were going to be. Uh, America and Asia are doing fine, mid teens growth for them, uh, but it's going to be low single digit in Europe, uh, and they're making some management changes as part of that. Um, and then along with uh, lower unit volume, uh, their, margin, their profit margins are going to come down as well. Um, I think there's a lot of companies out there. That wish their problem was twelve percent sales growth right. this year. Uh, so let's just put that in some context. I mean, I mean, no question that is on a percentage basis. That's a haircut. Yeah, but it's still double digit growth. It is, uh, and I think the issue is that uh, the 
they are almost a victim of their own success in this regard. This is a company that's grown their sales 20-25% a year for a very long time. And now that that's coming down back to a little bit more normal numbers versus spectacular numbers, uh, I think you're seeing a little bit of a resetting on the valuation. Uh, the stock has just chronically traded at 70-80 times earnings year in and year out. Um, but you have to deliver the revenue growth to maintain that kind of earnings multiple. And uh, there's just a little bit of a reset going on. Well, and that ties in with one of the things I read this morning about Netflix, and it has to do with expectations and the fact that Netflix is now one of those businesses that has performed so well for so long that, fairly or unfairly, expectations are higher for them, and you know that's what you get for delivering solid performance quarter in and quarter out. All right. So you look at this and you think maybe a buying opportunity. Uh, I I, th- I think uh, when they do their Q1 call in May, I'd like to hear more about wh- exactly what is going on in Europe and uh, the personnel they're bringing in there, what their game plan might be. Johnson and Johnson, more of a household name than Illumina, hitting a new high after first quarter profits came in higher than expected, and they raised guidance for the entire fiscal year. They're getting pretty bullish up there in New Jersey. At- JNJHQ. I think that's more of a of a, of a reflection of the weakening U.S. dollar than much of anything else. You think uh, so? Yeah. Last year, the, with a really strong U.S. dollar, it's been hurting a lot of companies that have a that report in U.S. dollars but have international sales, and they were having headwinds on that. And now that it's uh, the dollar is falling back down a little bit, they say, "Oh, it's not as bad. It's it's not going <laughs> to hurt us as badly this year. So let's um, up the U.S. dollar revenue that we're going to report." Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's part of the uh, the earnings story. Uh, Johnson and Johnson is a diversified healthcare company. They have over the counter products like Tylenol. They have uh, a very big drug business and also medical devices. Uh, the highlight for them in the quarter is the drug side of the business. They are uh, half the business is prescription drugs for the most part. And in the U.S., those sales were up close to thirteen percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, this company is very strong in immunology. So if you think of like arthritis and psoriasis, uh, very strong in cancer. Those two. Parts of the business are going gangbusters, um, and then the, it's the international side, the medical devices, that are a little bit of a struggle for them right now, relatively speaking. One piece of news I saw that I liked is they're bringing back their baby baby formula sh- shampoo <laughs> <laughs> to try to capture the millennials who are going more towards organic and uh, perceived safer uh, products. And so I saw a news article this morning. That <laughs> Wait a minute, that Johnson and Johnson is going to market baby shampoo. And that's going to save their to millennials. Bacon. Yeah, not necessarily millennials who have children. But no, just... no, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> to, to, I thought it was to millennial moms. Okay. Oh, okay. Because right. I was like, wait a minute. I'm trying to connect the dots on this one, and certainly this is a, is, as you said, Charlie, this yeah. is a big diversified business. They got a lot of moving parts. Uh, but I, but I would love to be in the room if someone's pitching that. <laughs> I mean, I don't want tears in my shower either. Why is that yeah. just for kids? <laughs> I'm not pro tears. I'm just I'm just saying that that that's a little bit of a leap. Um, the bidding for Yahoo's core business has closed. Um, the, Yahoo's going to report earnings after the closing bell today, um, and my assumption is the first 78 questions on the conference call are going to be about the bids because uh, the bidding is down to I believe just two. Entities. One is Verizon, which everyone expected. I don't think anyone, certainly I didn't expect the other one, which is a combination of TPG, which is a private equity firm, and YP Holdings. 
And YP Holdings is probably best known by its former name, which is yellowpages.com, which I didn't even know was still in existence, even in this new form. But as we were chatting about before we started taping, you peel back the, the curtain a little bit, they're, they're pretty big in the digital ad business. They are. They're bigger than Yelp. Um, they do about a billion dollars in revenue a year, about $120 million in EBITDA, so they're, do, they're doing pretty well there. And yet, I, I'm sorry, I, <laughs> I look at this and I just think that the, Why the comedic skepticism is just ripe for the picking when you think about, for, you know, for, for anyone who looks at Yahoo and, and sort of ignores the strengths of the core business, because I do think that from a programming standpoint, what they're doing, particularly in sports and finance, are very strong. Um, we are one of their partners on the finance strength, but I think you know, I would say even apart from that, I, th- I think, I mean, that is that is when I'm doing research, that is sort of my go-to place, not just for the the news feeds and that sort of thing, but also for charts and 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 the like. Um, but there are people who look at Yahoo and think, well, gosh, that's. You know, that's a, a company that really had its heyday 20 years ago, not unlike Yellow Pages being delivered to your doorstep. Well, one of the interesting things about YP Holdings is that AT&T is a big shareholder in it. And with uh, Verizon, uh, they're, not the, they're not the majority shareholder. That's a, a, another private equity company. I can't it's Cerebus, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Uh, they own 53 54%. AT&T holds around 40%. So, with Verizon bidding... Uh, it's not too surprising that AT&T uh, decided not to bid on its own. It dropped out, uh, but it did uh, probably sign off on the bid uh, with part of YP Holdings uh, making its bid. Sure, I think it's, anytime AT&T can mess with Verizon and vice versa, they're going to oh, yeah. do that. So they've disclosed who the two leading bidders are, but not like a winner or a price or anything like that. No, it's that, really odd. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to remember the last time something like this happened where there was sort of a consumer facing company that was clearly up for sale and that at the end of like when you hit the 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 finish line it was not and here's who's won it was here are the finalists <laughs> I don't, you know yeah it's almost like uh, you float that information, hoping like some better price or better suitor comes along to give you exactly what you want, because these two are maybe not giving you uh, all the boxes checked that you'd like to see. It's just a weird, weird way to do this. It is, and from what I read over the weekend about how Yahoo went about this bidding process, they were pretty close to the vest with the information that they were willing to share. And that's why I think that's one of the reasons some of the larger, better-known players just decided they weren't going to put in a bid. Uh, probably Google, chief among them. Uh, you could probably add Microsoft in there as well, and IAC. But uh, on the flip side of that, if the I don't know, some one of these two companies could end up getting a bargain here. I don't know. I, I think it's yeah. going to be interesting to play out. But I, but I'm not. I, that's why I say. The first seventy-eight questions on the conference call yeah. are going to be not about whatever quarter <laughs> no. Yahoo just put up. They're they're going to be about the bidding process. Absolutely. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address from Fred Gaddis in St. Louis, Missouri. 
Thank you for the almost 1,000 episodes. Some of my fondest memories of this podcast include Joe Mager getting his angry Uncle Joe nickname, the first time Jeff Fisher bored everyone with his discussion on options, and all the times you guys have mentioned the world-famous Fred Toberfest. It was canceled in 2015 due to the due to an unexpected and elongated bathroom uh, basement bathroom <laughs> renovation, but it will be back in the fall of 2016. Keep up the great work as you inspired me to eventually purchase my own stock outside of my 401k and my managed investments, and it is all due to the amusement, enrichment, and education you continually do in your podcast. That's really nice, Fred. So thank you for that, and thank you for the invitation. One day we got to make the we we got to figure out a trip to get to St. Louis for Fred Toberfest. Um, what beer's, uh, beer's not a good enough reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, beer is a good reason. I'm just. Uh, it is my hometown. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, yeah. Can can you get like your family to like? To, I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm, I'll, I'll just be completely transparent, Jim. I'm looking for a way to expense this. If there's like a work. No, event. that's what I'm saying. No. Okay. <laughs> um, and just to be clear, uh, to uh, we'll we'll talk about Joe Maker getting his nickname uh, later in the week because. Of of all the emails I've received over the last week or so, as we as we count down to our 1,000 episodes, and and longtime listeners share their memories, that is the incident that gets most frequently mentioned. But uh, the Jeff Fisher one, that came up. This was a few years ago, and uh, I I decided, we, you know what, we're we're going to talk about options, even though I think it might not be all that interesting and and a little tough for me to wrap my head around. Uh, at the time, because uh, at the time I was more ignorant about options investing and terminology than I am now, and uh, and we went through it and got half a dozen email from listeners, and this was great because of of the half dozen, five of them were great, just very glad. like that was fascinating. Thank you so much. I didn't know anything. I'm going to go back and listen. You know, and one person was like, I had to listen to it three times to fully understand what Jeff was saying, but that was great. And then. Thankfully, just to balance it out, there was one listener in New Zealand who sent a note saying, I love you guys, but I just about drove off the road when he was talking about (laughs) options. I had no idea what he was talking about. I almost fell asleep at the wheel. So it's nice to have the balance. Charlie Travers, Jim Mueller, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. It's like a road that you travel on. There's one day here and the next day gone. Sometimes you bend, sometimes you stand. Sometimes you turn your back to the wind. There's a world outside every darkened door. The blues won't haunt you anymore. Where the brave are free and lovers soar. Come ride with me to the distant shore.